Welcome, welcome, welcome to the QC Hornet's Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone, and each week, we have the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't and give you inside access other shows can't. This week, I'm joined by Miles Bridges. He explains what's helped him to blossom into one of the league's top young talents, why he wants to continue to be a part of Hornets' rise, and also, what's the best dunk he's collaborated with so far with his one and only LU partner, LaMelo Ball. So you ready? All right, let's go. Let's get it. Well, just moments ago, the NBA Reserve All-Stars were announced. And as you may know by now, LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges were not among those chosen by the coaches. And to hear Draymond Green and even Charles Barkley talk about how they believed the Hornets should have had at least one representative was pretty cool to hear, I guess, if you're a Hornets fan, because it's something you very, very rarely hear. First of all, Kenny Smith, Kenny Smith mentioned how the Hornets are essentially a lock for the playoffs. And he was like, when's the last time we said that, you know, think about that for, for a fact. So even, if, you know, hearing Kenny Smith mentioned the playoffs and the Hornets in the same sentence already before the all-star break, it's kind of incredible. But then Draymond Green had a really interesting nugget. And he said he was surprised when he saw the voting initially because he thinks that LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges may have split their votes, meaning the voters may have determined that one or the other deserve to go, but not both of them. So really, for the Hornets not to have at least one representative at the All-Star game is, I wouldn't say it's a travesty, but it's one of those things where you have if those people who have watched the Hornets this year know that they are one of the most exciting teams in the league and the best offense, top rated offense overall in the league. And on top of that, they're one of the top seven, eight seeds in the Eastern conference. So you figure they should have at least maybe one representative in the game. And if it wasn't miles bridges, it could have obviously been LaMelo ball. Cause he's averaging, you know, basically 20 points, seven assists, almost eight assists and about seven rebounds a game. So with those numbers, he's definitely worthy of being in consideration. But you know, the guys ahead of him that were picked, Toronto's Fred Van Fleet, um, you know, obviously Brooklyn's James Harden, you know, and then you know, Zach Levine from Brooklyn, throw him in there as well. I'm sorry, from Chicago, throw him in there as well. You know, they're all obviously worthy choices, but I still think that I agree with Charles Barkley and also agree with Draymond Green. I think the Hornets should have had at least one representative at the All-Star game, and it should have been either LaMelo Ball Obviously, or Miles Bridges, if you want to say one or the other, you know, you, at this point, you could say LaMelo because he has more of the star power. But, you know, Miles may have had maybe a, a more deserving season, per se, in terms of being the more two-way player and going back and forth on both sides of the ball. But if you're going on star power, trying to, you know, promote your league and bring as many people as you can to the game, then that's when you, you go with LaMelo ball. So the fact that either... One of those guys, neither one of those guys are actually on the All-Star team in the Eastern Conference surprises me. That's enough about the All-Star game and the All-Star weekend. Let's talk about the team as a whole and just what they've done over the last week or so leading to this weekend's action. And they lost two of their three games. And honestly, they could be 0-3. The game against the Lakers on national TV last Friday was one of those games where they came out there with, with torching the Lakers early, 
feeling good about themselves. Second half, Russell Westbrook just starts going crazy and just starts hitting a lot of these shots. And he actually had a chance to send the game winner in, but it clanked off the rim and the Hornets survived that game. So that was one of those games where if they lost, would have been one of those difficult ones to explain because you were up against a team that was missing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, even Malik Monk wasn't playing that game. So they had to win that game, had to. And they come back two days later against the Clippers in the matinee and lay an egg. The Clippers were, again, without most of their top players. They had essentially a lot of uh, players out there who rotational guys, but guys who were way down on the list, per se, of rotational players. No Nick, Nick Batum out there. Uh, no, no Paul George, obviously. Nothing like that. So to lose that game at home, coming off the game against the Lakers where you didn't have a great second half and held on, was a rough one for him. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They admitted as such. They were disappointed in the way they came out and executed and couldn't find a way to beat a team they know they should have beaten. And those kind of games come back to haunt you later on in the season. So you figured learn a lesson in that game and we'll come back against Boston and find a way to pull that one out. But they, they couldn't win that game in Boston either. As we know, they were able to kind of get close and come back and they were trailing by 10 in the second half in the third quarter. And we were able to kind of come back and be right there in the fourth quarter, but the last minute or so making a couple of silly fouls and not taking the right shot, even the last shot when they were down by, I believe it was one, and P.J. Washington uh, had his three-point attempt blocked by Robert Williams. Even that shot itself, not a great shot. So this is one of those stretches for the Hornets where you have to go out there and learn from their mistakes, figure out how to correct these issues that they're dealing with late. And again, nobody's saying that they haven't been playing well, but with the jumbled-up Eastern Conference standings, when you lose a game or two, especially the ones that you should not lose, they could come back to bite you in the you-know-what later on. Because right now, when we last spoke, the Hornets went to the weekend two games ahead of the eighth spot and two games below the sixth spot. Now they're only a half game going to the weekend action right there in the seventh, eighth spot. So a loss or two or three against the Cavaliers against the Miami Heat or Toronto, and they're right back in the playing tournament bubble area where you don't want to be in. So they have to get it back in going in the right direction. They have to, again, correct the issues that they've had late games, the last couple of games here, figure out what's happening in the fourth quarter of these games where they're not executing the same way they were early on in, in the first half and just – Get back to playing Hornets basketball, which is fast-paced, fun, up and down the court action where they're doing what they do best in transition. The Hornets are not a great half-court team. We know this because they don't throw the ball inside. They're more about perimeter offense, pick and roll, get into the basket, cuts, things of that nature. They don't have a guy that can throw the ball to the to the you know the, the, the basket and say, go get me a bucket, big fella. That's not on their roster right now. So in order for them to be able to win these games close late, they have to be able to, to break things down to a T, to a science where they're running their offense or their concepts to a T. 
They can't do too much freestyling. Sometimes that works, yes. But as we've seen at times, it has not. So it's going to be very important for the Hornets to correct these wrongs and right their ship heading into the stretch we're going to talk about soon upcoming because it's not going to get easier for them as they move toward the All-Star break. Time for this week's mailbag. And once again, thank you guys for submitting your questions and being interactive with us. It's greatly appreciated. So this week's question will begin with our Twitter question from Quick. And the Twitter handle is at Y-G-O-T-F-B-K-O-S-T. And the question is, it starts with a statement saying, PJ, as in PJ Washington, used to be described as someone who can have potential playmaking with the ball. Have the Hornets given up on that role for him? And the answer is, they have not given up on the role for him. I think what it boils down to really is, it's more about PJ himself. He's admitted as such when I talked to him a couple of times about it. He has to be more than a spot-up shooter. That's his strength right now in terms of spreading the defense and hitting down, knocking down three-pointers. When he's not doing that, when his shot's not falling, he has to be able to do different things out there in the floor to be effective. Whether that's rebounding, playing defense, but you're right. He has to also be a better playmaker, and that's maybe getting down the post a little bit more and uh, being able to facilitate things for his teammates because that's a big part of his game that I don't feel like is being utilized enough. P.J. is one of those guys who can have a back-to-the-basket kind of game. There's not a lot of big guys out there now who play like that. They want to play the face to the, to the rim, spot up, shoot, jump shots, and you know be uh, point guards out there. So with P.J., he has an overall versatile game, and you want to see him be a little more effective out there doing more than just one thing. So I agree with you. But it's not the coaching staff. It's really boils down to game flow, uh, who's on the floor at that times, and the coach and PJ himself wanting to go out there and um, be more than a spot up shooter. So if he can find a way to do that, then obviously he'll help the Hornets out because when he's at his best, he, he to me it's like Lamelo. I mean Lamelo obviously is is the engine, but guys like PJ, when you come off the bench, it can kind of give you that thrust. It helps spread the defense and and. Sp- you know, spell your five, spell Mason Plumley, be able to kind of go out there and give you a little bit more of a gusto offensively. It's just different. So the Hornets can really, um, you know, they be, they, I'm sure they would love to see PJ be more of a playmaker out there. We'll see the second half of the season and that's more of the case. So thanks again for the question. All right, well, I'm joined by Miles Bridges. Um, very busy guys. So thanks for giving me some time, Miles. Just first, can you put into words just season you've had so far, man? Um, you know, fourth season in the league. How's it come together for you so quickly, would you say? Uh, I say I, I always think I could do better, um, but I've definitely had some improvements this year, um, and our, our record has been has been better than, than previous years. Um, so I feel like I've been I've been doing a pretty good job, but I always feel like I could do better. Like what? Tell me what you think you could be doing better in right now. Defense, do better at defense, do better at leading, staying more consistent um, during games. Like my body language, that type of stuff. Like mental stuff. I, I feel like I could I could I could be more consistent there, um, and just me more consistent as a leader. Even like when things are going bad, like I don't put my head down. I'm the one to pick everybody up. When you look at the season overall, for you know. JB and the coaching staff mentioned a couple of times how they weren't sure you had to send you. Like they knew you could be a good player, but 
the level you're taking your game to, man, is highly probably didn't envision. When you hear stuff like that from the coaching staff, when they talk about just your growth, how does it make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel good just knowing that I have a great, great coaching staff that has a lot of trust in me. Um, when I first got here, they didn't have that trust in me. So for me to be able to be here and, and grow that trust throughout the years and, and get better at what I'm doing has been very great for me. Especially um, with JB, can you explain how you and JB, JB have a nice rapport? I think people on the outside don't understand what JB does for you guys as a player and as a player's coach. Can you explain just his rapport and what he does for you guys as an organization, his plays overall? Yeah, JB just wants everybody to be comfortable, you know. He's always trying to make sure you're getting your rest, you're watching the film, you're getting better. He always wants you to get better. He does a great job of player development. Um, everybody that comes to the Hornets, they usually get better, go off to other teams and be better. Or, like, if they start off as a rookie, get better as the, as the years go by. So he does a great job of player development um, and, and being a player's coach. Yeah, player development-wise, how have you grown in the organization from year one to year four, would you say? Like, how have they helped you out to become the player you are? Yeah, I mean, during the summers, I, I branch off to Miami and L.A. a little bit, but mostly I'm here in Charlotte working out with the coaches. So they've done a great job of, of helping me get better, working on things in the game that, that I do um, to get better at, you know, secondary moves, um, shooting, all that. So they've they done a great job of that. We've talked before about just um, – organization overall trying to just help it rise up and have this place be a team that people want to come not only play for but just make it tough to come in here environment wise mm -hmm. how do you think that's happened this year you guys trying to just change the culture what have you been seeing from that so far this year? yeah i mean we, we could we could do better at home you know we lost a few games at home that we shouldn't have lost the orlando game clippers game um but i feel like we've done a great job of protecting home court we've been a better road team to me i think but you know we, we, we come in and teams know that they got to play when they play against us. You know, last few years, they'll just come in and think it's an easy win, but now teams know that they got to bring their A game with us. How has the environment changed in the Spectrum Center just being in games from year one to year four? How much crazier is it atmosphere-wise now, man? Definitely crazy. You know, they're showing up to every game. Every every game we have, is, is the crowd is packed, um, standing up, cheering, all that type of stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to see the Buzz City crowd. Um, get to where, they, where we are today. I know, uh, you know, for you, you're obviously a um, you know, family guy, man. Yeah, sometimes I see you on the court having time with Ace and your daughter, man. Mm -hmm. What's that like before a game? Can you put in the words what it's like to be able to be a pro athlete to have your kids on the floor just seeing what you do before a game? Yeah, just seeing them before a game just makes me think about the bigger picture, see see what I'm playing for. You know, it makes me go harder. Um, I, I love seeing my kids at the game, being able to watch me play because when I was young, I, I never really got to go to an NBA game until – I made the NBA, mm -hmm. um, so you know, just just them having the moments because uh, the memories will last last a lifetime, you know. So I just want to make every memory count with them. The season you've had so far um, individually and with the team has kind of helped your, I guess, recognition a little bit, kind of rise up. The season getting recognition for the All Star game, stuff like that. Does that mean anything to you to you know that people will think that you're one of the young rising stars in the game right now? Yeah, for sure. I mean. Even when I was like, I wouldn't say I was playing bad, but I wasn't playing up to where I think I could. They were still backing me up, trying to give me um, things I can improve on and trying to show me like, oh, he's a rising star. But now that that everybody knows, I mean, they're, they're still here doing the same thing. So I'm, I'm happy for the fans and for the team pushing me. Um, hopefully we keep it going. And then also for you, you know, when you first came in the league, people thought you were just a dunker, man. Like they knew you had hops and what else could you do? They weren't sure. But to be able to kind of expand your game, become more of just a, you know, not only a three-point shooter, but also just an all-around player, mm -hmm. what has that meant to you? And, and how have you done that so far, would you say? Uh, just, like I said, just coming in every summer, working out. Um, 
I mean, when I got here, I was, I was really just athleticism, uh, raw talent. So um, just me putting everything together, um, my, my coaching staff, my, my personal trainer, um, I feel like they'll, they'll, they did a great job of that. And we talked about also too about you know how much you, you enjoyed it here and how you did like the most tenured player, which is kind of weird that you're the longest guy right here. Yeah. To to still be a part of this and kind of see it rising up now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much do you still want to be a part of this? We've like, talked about long term. Yeah. Here for, I mean, forever, pretty much if you can. Yeah. If if, if I could, I, I'd pull a Dirk or a Kobe. You know, uh, I love being in Charlotte. I love the fans. I love the atmosphere, and I want to be a part of something that's building. You know, I feel like we're building something, um, and, I, and eventually we want to win a championship. No, that's the goal. And then one of your guys, obviously, is LaMelo, man. I mean, can you explain just the partnership that you'd be able to kind of have with him so far? And people see you guys have seen you on the floor, but, I mean, I'm sure it, it comes to you guys easier probably than maybe even thought, I, I assume. Yeah, I mean, I love playing with Melo. I knew it from the first preseason game that we are going to be a, a good group of guys in the, in the game together, you know. So I, I love playing with him. He's, he's, he's elevated his game. I've ele- elevated my game, we be pushing each other. So it's it's just it's just a brotherhood for for me and him. It's like my brother. You mentioned the first game preseason last year. Was you seeing that game to know you guys were going to be a good tandem? Uh, just, just him finding me. You know, I played with I played with Kimba, I played with Devontae, and those guys are great scorers and they can pass. But Melo, he's not. He's he's a great passer and he, he finds people even when you're not looking. So um, it, it's great playing with him. Uh, if you can pick one of the alley-oops that you guys have had that you remember, is there a special one that's, that's in your mind that you said that's, that's the top alley-oop that me and Melo had? Uh, it either have to be the one against the Bucks last year they threw up and I caught, or the one where he just went between his legs and threw it up. I think that one, too. People are going to remember that. I should have windmilled that to make it more memorable. But we'll have another chance at that. Now, you guys are almost at the second half of the season. The All-Star break's kind of coming up here. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a grind, man. Just mentally, first of all, how does it kind of get through that? Second of all, how much you look forward to the second half of the season, knowing that you guys are going to have a playoff push, you know, and fans are kind of excited about that. Yeah, too. I mean, it's going to be fun for us, you know. We're just going to have to double down on everything that we've been doing to make this playoff push. Uh, the fans haven't seen the playoffs in a long time, so we want to give them that, and uh, we want to experience it for ourselves. So we're definitely going to be more locked in coming in after All-Star break and leading up to All-Star break. We have a big home stretch um, and what, two away games, so we, we, want to, we want to lock down on that. Yeah, just last thing is you guys have a lot of games against playoff teams coming up here. Mm-hmm. You have destiny in your own hands for the most part. I know a long, lot of games left still, but mm-hmm. it's a big stretch for you guys. What about this and – how you guys look forward to the stretch coming up here? Yeah, I mean, this stretch is going to make us better, and we got to win these games. We know what we got to do, so I feel like everybody's locked in a little bit more, um, and we can't have any slippage like we did against the Clippers or, or the Celtics last game, so we're, we're going to be locked in. So as we look ahead here to the Hornets' schedule coming up over this next week or so, going through the All-Star break, I mean, it just doesn't get any easier for them. And I know we say that almost every week it feels like, you know, they have a couple of games here or there where they feel like they could probably uh, maybe pick up a win, one of those schedule wins that maybe a team that you feel you should beat. As we've seen so far this year, those games they actually lose. So there's no gimmies for them, it appears. But right now, the schedule is about to get brutal for them because going into this weekend where they're facing Cleveland and Miami, after that, they face Toronto. And as we know, Toronto pounded them up in Canada a couple of weeks ago. And the Raptors are a team that's kind of fighting in the same spot with the Hornets right now. They're right around the seventh, eighth, ninth position. They're a half game back 
going into Friday's action. And if you're the Hornets, that's one of those things that you have to just realize that these teams that you're playing right now, these games are really very important. And they can actually springboard you to success or you can falter a little bit and drop down the standings have to kind of climb your way back up as you kind of come out of the all-star break. So beginning with the tough back-to-back with Cleveland and Miami, two teams that are in the top five of the Eastern Conference. Then again, you play Toronto at home, and then you follow it up with a game against the Bulls who go into the weekend as the top team in the Eastern Conference. So you're going to face Chicago and Miami, number one and two, going to the weekend. Again, throwing Cleveland, which going to the weekend around five or so, and then Toronto. And then it just doesn't get any easier for him. And then the only game you may be able to say, okay, maybe it's a breather for him is their first game following the trade deadline when they have to play the Pistons in Detroit. But as they, we know, the Pistons have Kay Cunningham, and you know they're not just some, some pushovers out there. They're a team that plays better at home, as most young teams do. So that's not a game that actually you can go out there and say, pencil it in for a win for the Hornets for sure. So it's very important for them to at least get two of these next, you know, four or five games minimum to be able to feel good about yourselves as you kind of take it down, notch or so once the all-star break hits, because again, the, the conference standings right now in the East are so jumbled up that a loss here or there, if you go on a losing streak of two or three or four games, before you know it, you could have dropped, you know, two or three spots minimum in standings. So it's very, very imperative for the Hornets to find a way to get a couple of these games against these very tough teams are going to face. But one thing that actually is going in their favor is, as we know, they play some of their best ball against some of the elite teams in the league, as we've seen them beat, you know, uh, the Warriors, the Bucks, uh, the Sixers, teams like that so far. So if they can keep finding that same formula and just do what they're supposed to do against these teams, maybe they'll come out on the right end of it. But it bears monitoring and bears watching this next week or so. This is a very, very key stretch for the Hornets. All right, this week's random factoid really breaks down the Hornets record. They're 28 and 24 going to the weekend of games against, again, the Cavaliers in Miami. And just to kind of give you a little bit of context of where that ranks, let's just break down where they've been throughout the years with that same mark to 52 games over the past decade plus. So that's the best mark since 1999-2000, when they were 30 and 22 that, through that number of games. And for perspective, so just the last few couple of seasons here, in 2020-21 season, they were 27 and 25. In 2019, 20, excuse 2019-2020 season, they were 16 and 36. In the 2018-19 season, they were 26 and 26. And the last season they were playoff bound and actually made the postseason was in 2015-16 when they were 26 and 26. So the Hornets have played some of their best ball in years, yet they're only seventh going to the weekend 
in the Eastern Conference where they're jockeying with Toronto and Boston for that seventh position, eighth right, right around there. That tells you just how difficult things have been this year in the East compared to years past. So the Hornets record, well, it's good. It's not great compared to other teams in the East, but when you look at how it, it, it goes back to years past and how they just compare to what they've been doing previously, you got to give them credit because they obviously go in the right direction. Well, so there you have it. Thank you so much for joining me for this latest episode of QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com. And for a special sub offer to gain full access, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right, until next time, we out.